Welcome back to TC Take Care, the podcast. Joining us on the show today is Stephen Reed. Um, Stephen and I have participated in youth ministry together. We've taken the Passover together. We both like philosophy, and our first names are spelled the same way. So there's that. Today we're going to be talking about what it means to live in a multicultural context. And as time goes on, this term applies less and less exclusively to those who travel internationally, just because our world is becoming more and more multicultural. As you'll hear, Stephen is very aware of this. He and I were having a conversation about this issue a little while ago, and he said some things that I thought were very profound and very relevant to the discussion that we are having right here on our podcast. So, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Stephen Reed. Um, so, Stephen, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, great to be here today on the podcast. Um, yeah, so I uh, am a missionary kid. Um, I was born in the Philippines. I didn't exactly grow up there, though. It's a little bit complicated. Um, okay. When I was three years old, my family moved back to the United States. Um, where I spent 10 years of my life, ages 3 to 13. Uh, when I was 13, my parents decided to go back to the mission field. Okay. Um, and so the Philippines is where I spent um, basically 8th grade through my high school years. Okay. Um, so that is your classic uh, third culture kid long story of where are you sure. from, I guess. Well, you know, sense. on this podcast, you know, that's the appropriate place to like dump your long third culture kid stories. So... You're among friends yeah. here, definitely. Um, so did you, like, as a 13-year-old going back to the Philippines, do you feel like you still had some of that cultural connection to the Philippines, or was it all very, like, new and eye-opening for you at that point? It was very new. Actually, it was a shock uh, in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. That's just mm -hmm. a very big transition to make at any age, but especially at the age of 13. Yeah, I bet. I will say that... Um, my sister and I, I have a younger sister, okay. um, we grew up knowing that we were born in the Philippines. Uh, yeah. We had some connection there. Yeah. Um, there was um, uh, a fellow at our church who was a doctor who became a close friend of the family. Mm. Um, we So we felt a connection to him immediately. Mm. Filipino mm. food was sometimes served at our house at dinner, mm. and we would root for the Philippines during the Olympics. Sure, but sure, of course. That, we really didn't remember having been there we didn't uh feel like we were filipino really in any sense yeah um so when i moved to the philippines at 13 and mm -hmm. my sister was 11 it mm -hmm. was it was a very big change for sure mm. and sometimes those transitions can be the hardest in that like you're so um keenly aware of every of all the aspects of transition in that like you're leaving friends behind, you're um, going on this journey, and it's gonna, it might be a difficult transition to learning a new culture and a new context and everything like that. Um, but sometimes with those transitions, too, I hear a lot of stories that, like, it was hard at first, but um, in the end, it made me who I am, and I'm grateful for the experience. Uh, where do you fall on the spectrum of, like, hardness versus goodness, you know? That, uh, that's a big question. Yeah. And I think answers to that question are probably always complicated. Um, I would say that yes, I'm, it, yes, it was hard but good. Um, mm. I, the hardness definitely 
was there at first, most mm-hmm. of all. Um, even something as simple as the time difference in the first couple of days was just a major shock to the system. Mm, sure, uh, yeah, absolutely. So generally uprooted and out of place uh, mm. there was very difficult at a time when, you know, in middle school, you're trying to find your place in the world anyway and maybe aren't always feeling completely settled. Um, and so that just added a whole other layer to it. At the end of the day, um, I think there were good things that came from it too. Just the ability to see another country, another part of the world right. that I wouldn't have otherwise. Right. I think you grow up um, a lot of times if you're in the U.S., um, sort of with the intellectual knowledge that, yeah, other countries do exist, but it doesn't really strike you in the same way. You don't have sure. that knowledge in your gut. You don't really know it. Sure. Um, so I came to know it, I think, um, in a much more real, visceral way, having lived in another country. Right. Yeah, definitely. I hear that. Yeah, in, this, in, in America, we are exposed to other cultures, but not in, not to the same degree, certainly. And I appreciate that you mentioned even like the physiological aspects of a transition that like it feels different. There's a time difference um, when you move overseas. I'm always um, struck by how like each country has its own unique smell even, you know, foods have their own flavor. Like there's a definitely like a physical component to transition that like you just can't ignore how different things are when you move around, you know? Humidity, heat. In Manila, it was traffic and pollution too. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and definitely takes it takes a while um, to get used to those transitions, especially when you're um, heading that seemingly for the first time as a you know as a 13 year old, for example, like you did. So I think the first time that I uh, really came to appreciate living in the Philippines um, as a cross cultural experience. yeah. was one summer after my sophomore year of high school. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, classmates' uh, dads, who was a missionary, they were the whole family uh, was missionaries, he invited me to go out to the province, stay with his family in their house, mm-hmm. um, and use that as an opportunity to just have linguistic and cultural immersion, take the Tagalog mm-hmm. language lessons, mm-hmm. um, hang out with... Uh, with uh, the Filipino friends of one of my classmates there. Mm. Um, And uh, while I was doing that, while I was um, engaged in all of that learning that was going on there, he would, um, he would tell me, he he sort of became a, a, my cross-cultural mentor in a Mm. sense, you know, yeah, Uh, all these things about language. And then also, you know, how, how, how does culture work anyway? You know, Mm, for example, you know, these people, um, um, you know, uh, these people out here in, in the province or these Tagalog speaking people, they think about, uh, space differently from the way you or I do, you know, and that's why, that's why the houses are all crowded together, Mm. or at least that's the way it seems to us. Mm -hmm. Um, there are other people groups in different parts of the country who don't think about space that way. Mm. Um, might consider, you know, this plot of land over here to be a waste of space or mm. something like that. <laughs> um, uh, and so it was, it was really just fascinating to see all of those sorts of things. He, you know, he taught me a lot about kind of what was underlying maybe some of the 
um, you know, some of the, some of the, you know, phrase choices or something like that. Indirect communication, for example, yeah. um, was another thing that he told me all about. So yeah. I learned a lot during that summer, mm-hmm. um, and really started to gain a fascination, um, mm. for learning about, um, about the Filipino people. But even when I say the Filipino people, while I was out there, I, I, I got an appreciation too for the fact that the Philippines really has more than just one people group. Right. You know, there right. are lots of there are lots of cultures and subcultures there. Yeah. Um, and that was an aspect that that was became really fascinating to me too. Right. That is very interesting. It's really cool to hear about like just becoming a student of um, a student of culture open your eyes to appreciating the differences in culture and just the experience that you were going through in that, you know, in becoming a TCK. And something that stands out to me about your story, you know, I think when families are looking at taking their kids overseas, um, sometimes they come to a realization that, like, this may be difficult for my kids, especially, like, learning that, you know, new culture and a new way of life and, um, you know, leaving friends and family and familiarity behind. And how long is it going to take before life becomes, you know, quote-unquote normal again. And sometimes it's a matter of weeks, and sometimes it's a matter of years, and it's just so hard to say. Um, You know, it just varies so vastly from one experience to the other. Um, So it's really interesting that, like, it it sounds like it may have taken you a couple of years um, to really fully embrace that experience, but in the end, it sounds like you really did. So that's really cool. Yes, yeah, definitely. And it affects me to this day, too. Honestly, mm. the things that I learned there about culture that I started to learn, um, you know, I've continued to learn even um, even in college, and I've continued to, you know, seek out uh, opportunities to learn other languages, to interact with people, uh, different cultures, right. especially in an immersive way, okay, rather than just as you know, maybe like an academic study subject that you study from a distance. Mm, sure. Yeah. And now, Stephen, that brings me something that I really wanted to talk to you specifically about, because when you and I had chatted a while ago, um, you said that um, you're involved in a church now, and there's a Spanish-speaking service, right? Mm-hmm. And you, being a white American from America, have chosen to attend the Spanish-speaking service. Is that right? Yes. And when you and I were speaking before, you said, I'm part of the Spanish-speaking church, and while I don't quite fit in, I don't necessarily feel other. That's that's so profound. I feel like you can have a relationship with cultures and fit in, and you're different, but you don't necessarily feel other. It doesn't necessarily feel as uncomfortable to you as to someone who hasn't just hasn't had that immersive experience before. So just tell me a little bit about that. What is it like being a TCK in a multicultural context? Definitely. Yeah, there's definitely that tension there between being other but not feeling completely other just a little bit of context for that statement and for that situation um in the philippines uh one of the main official languages is tagalog not spanish so i actually though i speak spanish i didn't learn it there okay um i I learned spanish in high school i um i studied abroad during college in mexico okay uh so when i came to the u.s uh i was sort of on the lookout for um, a, a community where I could keep that skill up, but also recognizing the importance of interacting with people who are different from me. Mm. Um, yeah. like a pretty good way to do it. Yeah. Uh, 
so I ended up uh, at um, at this church called Congregación León de Judá, Congregation Lion of Judah. Um, and yeah, like you said, it has uh, it has an English service and a Spanish service, but I decided to go to the Spanish service. Um, where I'm, I'm pretty sure that at this point I am the only white person there. <laughs> That's um, <laughs> awesome. Good for you. Which is an interesting experience. I, it, it's a fairly large church, uh, and so just with large churches in general, uh, it is sometimes a little easy to get lost in the crowd. Sometimes, though, I wonder if, for me, it's especially easy to get passed over because people aren't entirely sure whether I speak Spanish or not. <laughs> um, you know, they don't know how much they can say to me. They don't, you know, they're just not entirely sure about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but it's interesting, um, because as I think what you were referring to earlier was I, I feel like I, I ought to be there, and when I see these people around me, I don't... I guess my immediate thought isn't that they're different from me. I mean, I suppose I know that they are, but just being around people who, say, you know, have the darker skin than I do in a, in a room full of people that's all mixed races, you know, maybe you mm-hmm. know, black, more lighter skin as well. They're from people from the Caribbean, from Mexico, from all over the place. Right. Um, that just seems normal to me. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And so in that sense, I feel like I belong there. Mm-hmm. Whereas at other churches that are predominantly white, the whiteness gets under my skin a little bit. <laughs> just Sometimes I, it bothers me just how white these people are. Um, <laughs> Which is, which is odd because I'm white too, and I know that. And may, maybe that's part of why it bothers me too, because I see um, maybe just because I'm so familiar with these people who are my own culture or maybe half my own culture, however you want to look at it. I, I guess it's complicated, but, but yeah. I know them well enough to know the things that I don't really like very well, very yeah. much about them. Sure, absolutely. Um, about, uh, about us. Yeah. See, and this is part yeah. of the confusion too. I don't know quite <laughs> whether to call them them or us. Right, right. I hear you. That's such an interesting thing about um, the TCK experience in that, like, in studying another culture, and especially when you get to do so on an immersive level where it's just completely surrounding you, um, you really become aware of what culture is. And so even when you come back to your, you know, your quote-unquote passport culture or the culture that your parents uh, come from, you, you realize that you feel culture. And, you know, at one point in your life, maybe culture was just... Um, just it was just who you were, and it wasn't so much your choices as it was the air that you breathe, you know. But yeah. now, having learned culture, you're aware of it, and so even in a situation in which um, you're the majority and it's technically quote unquote your culture, you still feel it, and you're still aware that it's there, and you're still aware of the rules that are abided by and the unspoken, you know, norms and all that that goes on with culture. So that's a really interesting right. experience, and I feel like that's perhaps one of the greatest advantages of being a TCK is that you will always have that, you know, even if you chose right now to move to another country, you wouldn't be starting at square one. Um, Square one is not realizing that there is a difference in culture and that you do need to learn what the new rules are. Yeah. And, and truth be told, it's impossible to get outside of your culture entirely. So it's, it's not as though I'm hovering above and looking down, but I am at least a little bit more aware that it's there. Right, 
Right. Absolutely. You know, like you said, it's the air we breathe. And, you know, and we're always breathing air. Right. But yeah. I might not have thought to, to call it air at first, you know, <laughs> maybe from a little kid or something. Yeah, sure. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, this is a good distinction to make. You're right. We are, you know, we do have culture and probably everything we do, even the language that we speak and the colloquialisms that we're using right now, perhaps even our accents are a reflection of our culture. And so we do, yeah. we are breathing the air. Um, and so you're not necessarily above it, but you're aware of like what's going on around you. So that's a good distinction to make, Stephen. Absolutely. To add another comment about, um, about being not entirely sure whether I fit in, you know, we said that there's a lot of awareness that comes, or at least awareness that culture exists and whatnot, but there's also confusion that comes with mm. the PCK identity mm -hmm. as well. Um, with, when I'm with people at my church, uh, I, when, when I look around the room and I see all of these people of different races, it looks normal to me, yeah. but I'm not entirely sure whether I feel quite normal mm. as the white guy. Sure. And, and the funny thing is that I do know that I'm, that I'm a white American mm -hmm. and I wouldn't really say that I feel like something different from them, but it still just feels a lot or a off. Was, there was even a while before I was at Line of Duty where I uh, was visiting or attended a couple Sundays at an African-American church, mm -hmm. which even though it is American, of course, it's definitely a different culture from the one that I was raised in. Right. Um, great experience. Very, very new one for me. Mm -hmm. Um but I remember having having the funny experience where I I was there, you know, I I was I was getting into the worship. I kind of you know felt you know at least a little bit integrated. Mm -hmm. um, but I looking down at my hands, it almost seemed odd that they were white. Mm. I knew I wasn't black. I didn't feel black. Yeah. But just to see it like that mm -hmm. caught my attention, and it didn't seem quite right for some reason. I don't really know how to put my finger on that feeling or describe it fully. Hmm, interesting. So, Stephen, a lot of people who are um, in the process of deciding um, whether or not to uh, work overseas and to expose their kids to um, another culture like this, especially for ex an extended period of time, you know, whether that, whether that be a couple of years or perhaps a lifetime, um, uh, one of the great concerns is that um, a lot of TCKs do experience a fair share of grief and loss and that there's a lot of um, distance that comes between, you know, you and your extended family and perhaps friends and some other things. In in a nutshell, like, is it worth it? That is a difficult question, uh, truthfully. I would like to say, yes, it is, but I also know that it's not as simple as that. Yeah, um, there are different perspectives on that, and I think it is important to think about um, what kind of overseas context you'll be moving into, because not all of them are the same. Yeah. For one thing, absolutely. Um, but I did have a conversation with a friend actually about this, who is a missionary kid that grew up in Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. um, does it make sense to take your family overseas? Is this a good thing? Is this a healthy thing? Because as you mentioned, there are definitely difficulties. And my friend Daniel said, um, 
if you don't want your family to experience trauma, don't take them to the mission field. Mm. Yeah. There are unique traumas and unique difficulties that go with that. So if right. you don't want your family to experience that, don't take them. Right. But he said, you'll experience some kind of trauma wherever you are. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's good. Which is a good point. Yeah. It's also important to remember the enrichment that comes from having lived overseas as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, even with all the difficulty, there is a lot of benefit to understanding culture, having a broad view of the world. Um, these are things that really can't be acquired any other way. Right. And it's valuable. Yeah. That's a really good word. And, um, you know, I really appreciate that you said you acknowledge that it is a complex issue and there's no simple answer for that. And I think um, sometimes we want life to be simple and like, especially because like so often for, you know, TCKs, a lot of them are missionary kids. And so there's this whole issue of spirituality that goes along with um, the international travel. And like, is it right for you? Maybe not. Like you said, you know, you do tend to incur tr a lot of trauma traveling overseas. And that was certainly my experience as well. And I heard an, I heard a mental health, um, professionals say that people who travel and live overseas um, just live at um, this level of stress that sort of justifies needing counseling, needing therapy, and they just live with that. And they don't realize that like, that's the case until they come back and like everybody else is living at a lower level of stress and they realize something's off and it's been off for a long time, you know? And so, yeah, I think that there is a lot of wisdom in saying, you know, it's totally justified to ask yourself whether or not this is the right decision for you. And I met a lady at a church once, and she said she was called to work in a rough part of the inner city. And she said she that's been her calling that's been on her heart. And I said, oh, so how long have you been doing that? And she said, well, I just started, you know, now because I took time to raise my kids um, because I wasn't ready to, you know, expose them to the trauma of putting them in the situation that we would have been in in this particular city. And so I took time to raise my kids before, you know, before answering that call. And I thought, wow, what a wise thing to say, you know, like, I think a lot of kids do end up going overseas and do end up living overseas and do end up having um, a richer worldview and a rich experience and all this stuff. But I don't think that's necessarily right for everyone, even if you're looking at being a missionary, even if this is your quote unquote call, you know, you don't have to answer that call right away. You can, you can still make a big difference in the world and um, raise your kids in one spot. And Absolutely. And I... As a matter of fact, I was um, listening to a podcast that had discussions about um, about some of the difficulties of being a missionary kid and whether it's even um, a good idea or ethical to bring your kids over to the mission field at all. Oh, interesting. Um, and there were a lot of negative opinions expressed on that show, but one one point that I thought uh, was was interesting: um, a certain person said, "You know, maybe you shouldn't." bring your kids with you on the mission field. It doesn't mean that the whole family has to go. Mm -hmm. um, the, the question of, you know, maybe maybe missions is valuable, but not for the whole family. When you think about it, even the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he didn't bring his family around everywhere that he went. Right. You know, missionaries haven't always gone with their entire families to where they're going. Right. So in some cases, that might be the, the wisest thing to do. Yeah. Personally, I would still say that I am glad um, 
for my experience as a missionary kid, and I wouldn't trade it. Mm. No, here you are, um, a seemingly relatively healthy adult with an awesome multicultural experience uh, right where you are, and perhaps that's even been made richer by the fact that, you know, in your sophomore year of high school, you got this crazy immersive experience where you get to go out into the village and um, just take a really deep look at culture and what that meant for someone who lived a completely different life than you, and and now you're getting to continue to live that, so that's really cool. It definitely has enriched my worldview and continues to affect the way that I see things and the kind of relationships and communities that I pursue. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today, Stephen. I really appreciate having you, and we will definitely have to have you back sometime, okay? Oh, well, thank you, Stephen. It's been a pleasure. I'd be glad to, uh, to come again sometime. Thank you for joining me on TCK Care, the podcast. This has been Stephen Black. I hope you join us again next week as we start talking a little bit more about identity and TCKs. More specifically, why TCK is not your identity. Thanks for listening. See you next week.